And we're live. Welcome, everybody. This is the Reality Czars podcast, and we're your host tonight, Nate and Thomas, the Paranoid American. That's me. And we have Etienne De La Boite squared here for a second time. Uh, brother, I think you were my first video ever. I think like I was just like screwing around with that. And you I think you were also maybe it was either you or William Ramsey was my first uh, strike on YouTube. So you are. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> I've I've had I've had people that have had their entire channels deleted after having me on. Well, one guy, one guy had his entire channel deleted right after he posted uh, a video with me. So uh, well, my apologies. He must have been a troublemaker. He must. It's quite the sales pitch. You should you should open up with that. <laughs> I, you know, so, uh, I apologize in advance if this goes sideways. We do not go on YouTube any longer. I mean, some videos we post to YouTube. We're, I think we have two strikes right now, so it's it's whatever. Um, I have two strikes right now, too. So, yep. Yeah. <laughs> and that You know what it sounds like is the teacher wrote your name on the board, and then she underlined it, and if she circles it next, now you're going to be in real big trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it is funny because I, you know, I know that it was a controlled platform, so I never really put that much, you know, effort into it. I think I've got less than 600 subscribers kind of a thing. And just, I just knew that I was going to get banned. And so, you know, we're, we take, we, we still post to it occasionally, but we have rumble and odyssey and you know other other channels uh you know because you can see the handwriting on the wall if you're telling the truth about anything in the controlled corporate media yeah 100 percent, man i probably gotta hit up matt from content safe and start like posting to all the different places but right now you can find all our content on rockfin and uh, we're rockfin we're on content safe we, we use yeah. content safe yeah and it, it's it, funny it's it saved us dude. too because in addition to having those two strikes, uh, they've deleted stuff off of the, off of our YouTube channel without um, without giving us a strike. But all that stuff was just automatically backed up because of content safe. And it was interesting what they were deleting. They were deleting uh, evidence of uh, vaccines causing neurological damages. I had a couple of interviews with the Geyers who were really the only uh, outside researchers ever to get to see the uh, CDC's, uh, um, uh, it's not the VAERS database, it's the other one, and I'm, I'm drawing a blank on what the name of it was, but uh, they tell the story of you know everything that they had to go through to get to the to it and it was just it was the most mind-blowing it was just the most mind-blowing story you couldn't believe the roadblocks that the cdc you know kept throwing up in front of them and in front like you know like everything they could do and they just they just barreled through like linebackers and finally uh you know they like it's it was it's just absolutely stunning but um it's the geirs the geyers they were the the only researchers to get to see the the uh the cdc's outside researchers to get to see the cdc's uh vaccine safety link database i think is what it's called but that's what that's what they're deleting off. They're deleting off evidence of, you know, the harm of vaccines. And that was the childhood immunization schedule vaccine. So I think they were just kind of, you know, clearing the way for uh, the covid injections. But, uh, you know, th that that's what got deleted off first. Do you think uh, I, I almost Where can we find this... that? I want to see that video. 
So I'll, you know, we'll put it in I'm the sorry, show ahead, notes. It's, it's, it's still, it's still on our rumble and uh bit shoot channels. And so we'll, I'll make sure that we put it in the show notes for folks. Cause it really is. It's, it's this, it's, you can't believe like, you can't, you're like, it's, it's, it's so amazing what they did to try and hide and keep these guys out of it. It's just, it's an amazing story. It's, it's, it's interesting just in the, in and of itself. I was going to say, do you think that the full truth Heck is yeah, ever going to come out or is this going to be like a JFK paper situation where maybe your grandkids will, you know, get all of the unbridled facts without any sort of threat of being censored or deplatformed or, or you think this is just going to be a hot button topic indefinitely? Uh, so I actually, you know, so, you know, just to kind of set the stage. So I'm a, uh, a author and researcher wrote the book government the biggest scam in history exposed the thesis of my book is that we've got intergenerational organized crime running the government the media and academia and kind of the weapon that they're using against society is control of information control of perception they're controlling the information that society uh, receives in order for them to go along with government I'm a voluntarist, so I don't believe that government is legitimate, desirable, or necessary. Everything that the government does is, you know, the, the majority, besides redistribution, the majority of what they do is, you know, provide services, whether it's the post office or the, you know, the running the world's worst passenger, you know, you know, train or armed protective services that they call the police or dispute resolution that they call the courts. Well, all that could be done by better, faster, cheaper by the free market. And so the, what, the thing that keeps them in power is this alliance with the media. And on the old media side, you've got, you know, around uh, six companies running hundreds of subsidiaries to give everybody the illusion there's a bunch of different information sources in society and uh, they couldn't be controlling everything, but it's, you know, all these six companies are operating as a cartel. And in the book, you know, we designed the book for visual learners. So you can actually see media ownership charts and media organizational charts that, that, you know, really bring home like, Oh my God, there's six companies running hundreds of subsidiaries to give everybody the illusion. There's all these information sources in society and so, uh, so on the new media side, it's three to four dozen kind of new media internet companies, uh, social media guys, the search engines, the video sharing sites, um, and they're op also operating as a cartel. And this is, you know, Google, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Discuss, Reddit, Snopes, Wikipedia, Meetup, and others. And they're algorithmically censoring content on the DARPA internet. They've been caught doing this with, uh, you know, the CIA, the, the quote unquote ex CIA moderators working at Facebook, the quote unquote ex FBI moderators working at Twitter that came out in the Elon Musk, you know, uh, uh, uh email revelations. Uh, but the name of the game is to control the information that society receives in order them that they go along with being tax farmed by government. You don't really owe them any money. You can never have a legitimate government. It's impossible to have a legitimate government. And so uh, what we're seeing right now is we're in this, you know, I, you know, information war where the truth tellers are, you know, struggling to get word out about what's going on 
over this system that has been designed to magnify controlled opposition voices at the same time that it's stifling algorithmically the, you know, the authentic voices of the developing media. Uh, to answer your question, I think we win in the end. There's no way of, you know, stopping the signal in the information age. And it's really, it's a, it's a, it's a one-way revolution where once people realize that government is illegitimate and it's been a scam, the biggest scam in history, the biggest scam of all time, that the idea that government's legitimate, that they've been able to sell that to the population, get the population to go along with their own enslavement, get along, get them to go along with having a ruling class, get them to go along with being tax farmed. You know, once that, once somebody like gets that through their head, realizes it really internalizes oh, it's impossible to have, you can't do it morally, you can't do it with an election, you can't do it with a coronation. And once they get that there's a man behind the curtain in the media, you know, once they understand how the magician does the trick, well, then you can't be fooled by the trick. And so, so that one-way revolution is, is in process, it's going, it's picking up steam, it's capable of exponential growth. And so I think we win in the end, I think it's exposed and I think that, uh, you know, I think that the people are going to be really, really ticked when they find out how they've been robbed, uh, you know, especially when things like social security, Ponzi schemes like social security blow up and, and uh, you know, the dollar, uh, you know, uh, which has had all of its value stolen out of it. Maybe there's a devaluation, maybe there's a dollar collapse, but, you know, people are starting to figure out who robbed the bank and boy, are they going to be pissed. Yeah, I really hope so. Um, you know what we need is it's people like you that are important. It's people like uh, alternate media that are very important because the majority of the time people will only believe on the media. So they almost be like staring them in the face. Like are the robbery of the economy, what they've done through the vaccine as far as like injuring people, killing people like, dude, I, this is fucked up. I have a friend. Uh, her daughter was in her 30s. She's dead now. She just fucking died. Heart attack. She went and got the booster. She went and got her mm -hmm. fucking booster. And after her daughter died, and we've like we've even like we've even said like it's because of this. She went and got her fucking booster. Like the this this deception goes so deep. It runs so deep. It's so terrible. Um. So it is important voices, uh, what you do specifically, and it's what James Corbett does, it's what Ryan Christian does, uh, all these people that I highly respect. I'm talking to Ryan, we're talking to Ryan Christian tomorrow. I'm really excited about that. Um, you guys only report on things that you can show um, documentation about, You can and you can like provably show these things. That is so important because there needs to be that legitimacy so that my mom can look at something and go, Oh, Oh, you're right. Because is someone, I love Alex Jones, but when you have Alex Jones, <laughs> like ripping his shirt off and, and yelling, that's going to scare your, that's going to scare mom. That's going to scare my sister, my sisters, and uh, the worst normie in the world. They need to toughen up then. <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah. but that's just, that's never going to appeal to, yeah. Like the suburban mom, 
you know. Well, it's so designed not to be. It's designed. It's it's designed not to be. And so what they're trying to do, and I don't know if you saw, you know, Kanye West, you know, wearing the mask and Alex Jones wearing the mask and they're, they're, they're playing the part of the buffoon. So they've been elevated to the, you know, to the part of this is the alternative media right here and they're buffoons and they're acting the fool. And so that is to give, so, so they'll, they'll release a lot of, you know, a lot of good information but they're going to gatekeep you at key junctures. And this is really what controlled opposition does. You know, Alex Jones has got the American flag. Alex Jones is, 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 you know, is using statism to appeal to the, you know, the constitution. Oh, we just got to get Trump elected. You just got to vote harder. He's in that fake left, right paradigm that keeps, you know, people, uh, you know, trapped in you know uh the rigged poker game of elections and so uh but but you know he is designed to play the fool and to make alternative uh news and and you know what's really going on you know that's the kind of the truth movement look uh dumb he doesn't re represent me he doesn't represent no. you know the other people that you you know uh you listed we're we're serious scholars and not only are we showing the facts but I back everything up on a, you know, 64 gig credit card size flash drive filled with documentaries and books and short videos and, and all of the evidence backing up the book, it, you know, I make available on a, on a flash drive. So it can't go any place because what I've noticed is, you know, in a lot of the things that I've published on the internet, when I've published uh, a back, you know, a link to the scholarship or to the, you know, the material that I'm referencing, those links are disappearing off of the internet. I've actually been on, I was on Richard, uh, Richard Gage's show and I was showing him how links in the fourth edition of government, the biggest scam in history. Uh, you know, I was showing him how the, you know, we, we, you know, hypertext link to things, you know, in the book and he clicked on a link and the link had been scrubbed. And what that link was, was something exposing how the Pentagon and the intelligence agencies were behind 800 plus movies, 1000 plus television shows that we know of. And, and, uh, and that was a, that was actually a link to medium, which you have to pay to be on. And so somebody ordered medium to take that down, even though, uh, Insurge intelligence, who was the, you know, the, the publisher of this very well referenced you know, uh, article talking about how the, how the Pentagon and the, uh, the intelligence agencies influence popular movies, television shows, and culture, you know, even though they were paying for that, somebody, you know, took that down. Um, and so now we have it backed up on the flash drive so it doesn't disappear. And by the way, you know, everything in that article that we were talking about, there is now a documentary called theaters of war uh, that is even, you know, more current than that article. And it's now thousands of movies and thousands of television shows. And so they're providing military equipment. They're providing funding. They're provide, they frequently have script control. They're able, and you really got to watch the documentary theaters of war to really appreciate what they're doing, but they're changing history by getting the filmmakers to, you know, portray the military in a way that isn't authentic, isn't how, uh, you know, it works there. It's, 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 it's truly unbelievable.
but you wouldn't know about it if you watched the the movies unless you like documentaries like Theater of War. But that new Top Gun movie, it's so red-pilled. And there's no wokeness in it. So it's a great movie, man. I'll I'll, I'll die on that hill, dude. It's a great freaking movie. <laughs> no, that's how they do it. Do it, man. And you know, and I like I I kind of think that you know some of these actors, you know, it's not that they're getting you know they're they're getting paid to put butts in seats, but they're they're stealing society's time two to three hours at a time. And they're getting paid, like the more, you know, the more time they can get you to, you know, watch propaganda, the more that they get paid. But that really is, you know, that's one of the ways they do it, do it. And there and then in the propaganda, whether it's Top Gun or some of these other movies, you know, what they're doing is that they're product placing the American flag at moments of high positive emotion it's a it's a technique well known technique in advertising called anchoring and uh and you know they'll they'll bring you to this you know amazing moment of high positive emotion then they'll show you the flag you know and they'll just they've been doing that your entire life yeah, you're people... you're talking about like a neurolinguistic programming here right um well, well, like I, like anchoring the... and yeah, anchoring, and so the, the the they use neurolinguistic programming as well, and and I in 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 the flash drive I break down, you know, like where people have analyzed Obama's you know speeches to where he was obviously you know trained in NLP, he's doing pacing, he's doing like all of the classic NLP you know uh, techniques to get you into that trance state. And so, uh, so obviously, you know, they're, they're, they're use they're, they're leveraging their knowledge of behavioral psychology to get people to go along with their own enslavement by doing things like anchoring. The example I like to use on anchoring is, I don't know if you've seen the Martian with, with, uh, Matt Damon, but they'll build the, you know, the entire movie is building up to, is he going to, you know, escape from Mars? And then in the big thing, he's not going to make it. Something goes wrong. And no, he is. He's going to make it. He's going to make it. Boom. And then they cut to earth and everybody's waving American flags and they cut to mission control. And there's just giant American flags on the, you know, on the, on the back wall and everything. And so they brought you that moment of high positive motion, the biggest, you know, thing in the thing. And then boom, we're going to just show you the flag over and over again. Hell yeah, we are. (laughs) Once you realize that, then you're like, you can't help but see it. It's like you see it all. You're like, oh my God, they're running game on me. They're running. We're never getting to Mars either. So that's like a propaganda inside of the (laughs) line. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Propaganda all the way down. Although I would, I would, I think, make a a philosophical argument here that it's not. Because what we're describing here is way more ancient than just NLP techniques and marketing. We're talking mm-hmm. about the seven class, you know, the seven liberal arts, which, which one of them in the trivium included rhetoric. Rhetoric yeah. used to be a fundamental. It was what grammar, logic, and rhetoric. Mm-hmm. Now we maybe give a little bit of grammar. We don't give very much logic unless you specifically go into logic-based academia, where it's kind of a very one-sided view. But rhetoric, like you just kind of mentioned. At this day and age, rhetoric's almost relegated to exclusively like marketing, um, you know, and MLM platforms that teach you how to like get the sale or how to convince someone to buy that car. Or it, it's so weird that it, that that rhetoric aspect has been so far removed and maybe in politics. But I guess the argument that I'd make is that it's not that rhetoric is bad. It's that rhetoric and logic have now been 
completely occulted from the modern day education system and just society in general. So now if you just have a modicum of uh, talent and rhetoric, you can just run game on people all day long. And yeah. I don't I don't know if I would if I would fault the people that know how to use rhetoric and that know how to use logic for using them. You know, just because they're the like the what is it the one eyed man is king in land of the blind or something like that doesn't mean they should just keep their eye closed all the time, right? There's there's lots of interesting stories about that. Like you shouldn't weigh yourself down with weights or force yourself to be in a wheelchair if everyone else around you is in wheelchairs. Agreed, but it's typically I think it's the same group of people that have removed rhetoric out of education that is now using rhetoric to game well, all the people you're, you're not wrong <laughs> at all and I, I actually wanted to mention because if we don't go so far back and say like plato's republic right where where he kind of announces this ideal platonic uh like a platonic ideal of government but if we go to maybe just like a couple centuries back you can absolutely see um for example all the opium traders that were just straight up you know, circum circumnavigating the earth and circumnavigating all the laws of the land and going to China and bringing opium back and, and selling it all over the world and then using that to fund academia, like the, the very origins. And then, then you get the funding for Yale and then all of a sudden Yale starts breeding the intelligence community. Yep. So you've got this like direct connection from illegal drug smuggling to the people that control, uh, control all of academia and then start basically gaining control of intelligence. So this is like that direct connection that you can say, okay, now since we own the intelligence and we own the drug trade, let's just remove rhetoric and logic entirely from the curriculum. And there's no more seven liberal arts. It's just like one. Here's the one liberal well, well, art. Not, you know, not only has has the trivium been taken out of the school system completely so that they never ever learn like what is a logical fallacy. You know, the, the analogy I always use when I try and explain people the trivium is it's like a firewall for the mind. Like you'd never put yeah. your computer on the internet without a firewall because bad stuff could get in and, and bad commands and bad things like that. But if you don't understand logic, then 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 language can be used as a weapon against you. And so having understanding what the logical fallacies are you immediately recognize when people are trying to run game on you with words. Oh, that's a, and, it, and it's, it's literally, you know, that's a logical fallacy. That's an, that's a ad hominem argument. That's an appeal to authority. That's a bandstand, you know, bandwagon argument. You know, you, you're like, boom, 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 blocking, you know, like in the, like uh, Neo in the matrix, just like one right after the other. And that's easy to use if you, you know, if you have a background in logic, but if you don't, then language can be used against you and you can be chumped all day long. Now, with respect to the rhetoric argument, and you're not even going to believe this, I was floored, but in debate in high school now, okay, they've done away, they still have it and in, in, it's, it's still alive in certain places and everything like that, like the Lincoln-Douglas style debates where the kids are trained how to make an argument, how to, you know, yeah, how no, you're going to bring up like the speed crap, right? Where yes, just like cram I can't yeah, it. I was, I can't. So now for those that. That's that, a great point. That's an is, out, outstanding point. Absolutely unbelievable. So Because I was going to, I was going to say that the only place you can learn like, you know, logical fallacies at this point 
would be in a, a debate club unless you just become an internet, you know, argument warrior. That's like the two the two ways you learn about logical fallacies is a debate uh, club or just internet arguments. Um, but like you just mentioned, that rhetoric has been completely removed even from the academic like debate club route. So now understanding rhetoric, it's almost like you have to join an MLM. You have to join some marketing company, learn it from them, and then realize how to apply it in normal life outside of car sales, right? So so for so the people that don't understand what we're laughing about, yeah. uh, for the people that don't understand what we're laughing about, so so the so the traditional form of debate has been replaced in American high schools to now where they just speak as fast as they can try and get as fat as as many arguments that may or may not be sound they frequently uh will devolve an argument down to like laughingly what they call thermonuclear war where where like everything well it could cause thermonuclear war therefore we can't do it it's 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 ridiculous i wouldn't you i wouldn't have believed if if i hadn't seen it you know, with my own eyes, it's all technicality now. Cause, cause yeah. what they're doing is they're pre-writing like this whole debate, yeah. quote unquote debate. Right. And they just get like the most abstract bullet points that meet some kind of judge criteria. Cause they realize how they're being judged and they just map everything exactly yes. to how to get the maximum amount of points. Not because you're actually trying to convince anyone of anything, because again, this has been so codified into like an industry at this point that they're just, you know, they're just fitting their cogs into the, the industrial sort of gears a little bit. And no one's actually coming here with a straight up debate and using rhetoric and using logic and trying to sway people. It's just like, how many cheat codes can I sneak in to this, you know, game genie before the game starts? It's, it's kind of how that operates now. It is it, like the, the government schools are just running game on these kids like left and right. And that's, by the way, that's, I originally started the book because I had, uh, my kids in the government school system, and I watched them running game on my kids. They were using, uh, you know, public shaming. They were using these red, yellow, green troublemaker boards. So nobody, you know, talks. They were using collective punishment in the lunchroom, <laughs> where if one kid, you know, because they want to, they they want to bang down the ones that aren't going along with the program, the ones that have gravitas, the ones that, you know, that are willing to say the fun no. ones, the, the, the cool yeah. ones, right? <laughs> Those are the fun ones, man. I, I remember there was a moment, like I, we started this out and I was joking about the teacher puts your name on the board and then underlines it and circles it. But I, I remember being in classes where that happened, but then you realize, oh, and then you put a check next to it and then two checks. And it's like, where, where does this end? You start drawing like a full caricature of each student to like show how I'll much trouble you, they're Thomas, in. They sent me to the office almost every day. <laughs> yeah. I had and a, I had a, we, we, they did infractions at my, at my high school. And, uh, and I, and I actually, I actually took my entire folder out of the vice president's vice president's office when he wasn't looking one day. And it was the size of like a small pillow. <laughs> That's well, that then, uh, permanent uh, record that follows you around everywhere to this day, right? Uh, no, it doesn't. Cause I removed it. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's bad when you start to get to know like all the office people better than your teacher and stuff. And like, I'd go in there and I'd bring her treats and stuff. Cause like, I, I know I'm going to go to the office. So I have 
I have stuff ready and I have like my conversation <laughs> ready. to. <laughs> you know, but it's funny, but like, it really is sad. And, you know, like I, like I wrote the book, like for my kids, cause I wanted them to understand the little tricks and the techniques that were, you know, being used against them. And, uh, and, you know, we can look, look back and laugh, but, you know, these kids, they're being, you know, kind of neutered intellectually. They're, you know, they're being poisoned culturally. They're being, you know, they're being poisoned um, uh, intellectually. They're being, you know, they're, they're, you know, they, they could, they could, you know, develop, in, you know, much, much better, you know, if it wasn't, if the system wasn't designed to dumb them down, if the, the, the system was, you know, wasn't designed so that they don't have good red rhetoric. So the, the system wasn't designed so they don't learn logic so that they can be chumped and fooled and tax farmed. And so, you know, when you take a look at these, you know, at the, at the violence in the government schools and you take a look at the, at the horrible outcomes and the, you know, society, you know, like generation after generation of, of uh of kids on you know welfare and public assistance and and you know jobless and without good morals or ethics it's all the it's all the fault of the government school system and it's all so that they can be robbed by this intergenerational organized crime system how do you solve the problem of people that just don't care parents that don't care therefore they don't instill in their kids to care about rhetoric and logic so even if it were offered and even if that was taught in some sort of like even a community setting, what about the people that just, you know, don't show up or just don't pay attention? Is you mean the, the fluoridated, vaccinated, uh, corporate food eating government? Maybe, although I, I do believe you could have an organic homegrown asshole <laughs> that comes right out of your loins. Uh, you know, like it, it doesn't necessarily require fluoride or chemtrails to make someone into just a hard-headed little she had nate's nate's waving here but I'm, <laughs> but i mean like even if you've got all the best intentions there's always it seems like there'd always be outliers and people that just they don't care they want to just go fishing all day they want to tom sawyer it and learn from the streets and then they don't learn these skills and these self-defense techniques you'd be surprised so then, dude how much i picked up by just not paying attention in class like well well, I mean, I guess present company has to be excluded in this particular case, but I mean, there, there's people that like you, you were saying, you can show them the exact information and they just turn their head and just ignore it because they don't, a lot of people aren't ready to shatter their entire life view. And that can be generational, right? Like if a parent doesn't want to shatter their own worldview, then they're certainly not going to teach their kid a worldview that conflicts with their own and then so on and so on and so on. So that generational trauma continues down the line or else what like what what's the way to stop you know parents that don't care and then therefore their kids don't care or they're you know they're pro-vax so they're anti-rhetoric you know that's that's the devil's language or something like how do you prevent or even address that well i mean the way that you prevent it i mean like we're under a chemical attack i mean we're we're you know they're waging a kind of chemical biological warfare against us with the fluoride in the water with the glyphosated wheat, with recombinant bovine growth hormone in uh, in dairy and milk products, with BPA and BPS in can linings and bottles, with atrazine, you know, being used as herbicide. With you know, I could go on and on and on. And so, if you do not understand that that's going on. You know, if you don't understand that there's mercury in the vaccines and aluminum in the vaccines, 
you know, you're, you know, before you're able to stop that, you're gone. That person's gone. Like you're not, they're, they're not going to care about anything. They're like, you know, they're, you can't reason with them. They're just, they're not there anymore. And they're the perfect slave. And so that like, it's a, you know, it's a chemical biological weapons program that produces dumbed down slaves that can be tax farmed that will just sit there and watch the television, you know, for, for hours and hours and hours in a, in a kind of, you know, trance state. And there's nothing that you can do with them. Now, the good news is, I mean, that's, that's, you know, it's bad news that, that, that we have to deal with that, you know, in society. And, um, but the good news is, is that the intelligentsia has, you know, figured that out, you know, they're, they're, they're not drinking fluoridated water. They're not using fluoridated toothpaste. They're not getting the vaccines anymore. They're eating organic and, and, you know, and so, so, uh, so that is, you know, that that's, that's a plus and you, it doesn't really matter what the masses do or think. Cause they don't really matter to a degree. And what I mean by that is that, you know, I, I worked at one of the big four think tanks in Washington, DC in my youth. And, and I, and the, the most important thing that I learned my entire time there is that, you know, uh, is that the intelligentsia is the people that you have to reach. Like, you know, once the intelligentsia understands what's going on, uh, they're the ones that that pull the rest of society with them, and so it's the entrepreneurs, it's the business executives, it's the professorial. Yeah, this is those lakeside talks at Bohemian Grove we're talking about, and like the, the all the the international summits, and um, this is like you know where where like the think tanks of the think tanks of the world all get up and synchronize. Well, that's why they spend so much money on think tanks. That's why they spend so much money trying to win the intelligentsia is because they they want the intelligentsia on on their side and and I spend a lot of my time trying to reach the intelligentsia and you know people uh you know because we I want them on our side and that's really where the main fight is is can we expose this organized crime system in a big enough way to make an impact that where people understand it and can and and can take some kind of action uh, you know, to, to, uh, to pull themselves out of it as much as they can and weaken it to the point of where it eventually collapses under its own, uh, you know, under its own weight. And so like, I think that's the war that we're in at a very high level. Yeah, man, that's fucking fascinating. I, I do think it's important to reach those, those people because you're right that, uh, what they do reverberates and that affects the culture. Um, that's a tough that's a tough battle to fight because uh like you said the elites have put so much money into those think tanks into that type of thing so what are the type of what are the new projects that you're working on you were talking about um uh, specifically uh pinning down the media right and showing uh their criminality you want to talk a little bit about that yeah. So the, so, you know, the subtitle of government, the biggest scam in history is how intergenerational organized crime runs the government, the media and academia. And one of the things that we do in the book, like I said, because most people are visual learners, you know, and they come to that insight when you show them uh, visualization is we've got a number of visualizations showing how the media is controlled. And so uh, in January, I released the fifth edition of the book and, you know, we added new content, new one pagers. And, you know, one of the one pagers that we, you know, that we have in there is, uh, you know, are you getting your news from the CIA? 
And, you know, my, by my estimation, you know, there's, there's, you know, probably about 200 people max that get to talk about politics and current events on the, you know, the monopoly, you know, media, you know, the CNN, CNBC, MSNBC, uh, you know, NBC, CBS, ABC, you know, media. And what we do in a very visual way is we break down how many of them are quote unquote X CIA folks. And because that's really, you know, part of how they've been doing it is that they've maneuvered, you know, under national security and with the, their unlimited, you know, black budgets, they've been able to infiltrate their folks into the media. And so, you know, a lot of people don't realize it until you stack up almost two dozen, you know, examples and you're like, Oh, wait a minute. I didn't know that guy was ex CIA or I didn't know that guy was ex FBI or I didn't know that guy. And then you're like, Whoa, wait a minute. And then, you know, that, that repetition of the, of the, of the pattern that brings people, you know, into, you know, that moment of insight. Um, another one that we have, because, you know, besides the media, who else gets to talk about politi politics, uh, but politicians, and so another, you know, new one pager in the book is, uh, you know, how do you, is, are you getting your politicians from the CIA? And so uh, the CIA has about, uh, you know, somewhere around 21,000 employees. The official number is, you know, secret, but it's somewhere around 21,000 is the, is the number you find. And so there's maybe 150,000, maybe 150,000 you know, ex living or current, you know, employees of the CIA in a nation of 330 million plus. And X. so the, yeah, so the statistical distribution of CIA employees in the Congress should be zero to maybe one, maybe two, et cetera. And so we've got, you know, there's dozens of either ex-CIA, ex-intelligence agency. And when I say the intelligence agency, I mean the FBI who are spies pretending to be law enforcement, but, but, you know, FBI, CIA, uh, or, you know, connected to the military, uh, ex-SEALs like Eli Crane in Virginia, you know, people like that, that are, you know, uh, one spot removed from the CIA and from the intelligence. Well, also the, the chance of you getting anywhere in politics without at least some kind of a graduate degree goes down exponentially at a certain point. And then you start applying. If you haven't been in the military and you haven't been through law school, now it's probably less than like 1% of presidents we're talking about. Um, just outside of just normal politicians, right? So the, the fact that you're in the intelligence community, it does seem like in order to get to intelligence, you'd first have to either go through the military or, or go through academia to show that you know how to fit the puzzle pieces into the right you know, sort of map as, as they give it to you. So once you've proven yourself on those grounds, then you get the entryway into politics. So it's, it's not necessarily take the entire population of the country and then divide that equally. It's like take the entire population that has shown that they know how the system works and play along with the system and excel at working with the system. And then only and then do you get your foot into the door. And I imagine that once you start extracting the, you know, the fractions of intelligence agencies within that little bubble, mm -hmm. now all of a sudden we're, we're not talking about fractions of a percent. We're talking about like integers at least. 
Well, what, what's happened is that they've all come onto the scene in the past six election cycles. And so in the, sorry, sorry, the past three election cycles. And so starting in 2018, all of this, it's like, it was like a program where the, where, you know, this statistical anomalous amount of either intelligence agency folks or, you know, military industrial complex connected folks all began getting funded for congressional campaigns almost as if it was a program. Uh, the World uh, Socialist uh, website is the, really the first ones that, you know, caught on to it. And they wrote an article called, you know, CIA Democrats because they were majority, they were competing for CIA, you know, like Democratic uh, seats, although there's plenty of Republicans. I mean, there's plenty of, you know, ex-spooks running as Republicans. But, you know, we break that down in the same way. And then when you see like, wait a minute, you see the pattern. And so, you know, one of the things I, so the book is designed to really wake people up and to get them to see the pattern and human beings are really, really good pattern recognition machines. Like the human mind just like, just, just grabs patterns. And then once you see the pattern, you're like, oh, wait a minute, that's a pattern. They're running game on me. That's, that's a statistic. That's a red flag, statistically anomalous amount of, you know, ex CIA people in media and in politics and controlling content at Facebook and controlling content at Twitter and, you know, and, and all of the other places where they are. And so, you know, one of the, the, the other things that we do in the book is we use visualization to make things that were invisible now visible. And so a lot of people, when they'll read the book, you know, they'll, they'll be looking at some of these visualizations like, you know, six companies running hundreds of subsidiaries, you know, and they're like, I did not understand that this was going on. I did not get, I had no idea this was going on, but when they see it with their own eyes, then they come to that, you know, that deeper insight, that, that moment of insight. And then they're, they're like, boom, okay. All right. I get it. If they're intelligent, you know, but like, like, like we do a lot to wake people up and we're using the, you know, the kind of best practices of learning to bring people, your friends, your relatives, your colleagues into that moment of insight so that they are like, okay, that's how the magician does the trick. You know, you know, cause once you understand how the magician does the trick, you don't get fooled by the trick. But what if you really like magic? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was going to say one of the, um, the big ones for me, a huge wake up moment is, because I, I feel like I'm I'm closer to this your mentality of like show me the numbers let's get mm -hmm. out the statistics let's find out where the patterns and the coincidences the anomalies are but when you look at the statistical chances of having two skull and bones members separated by I think four years both running for president at the same time on opposite ends I'm talking about George W Bush and uh, John Kerry of John course John Kerry yep the the statistical chances of that ever happening just by chance is is beyond impossible it seems and it's also one of my favorite topics just because the the media and just the you know the nation in general seem to latch on closer to the don't tase me guy than they ever did to John Kerry and George Bush both being in skull and bones which is a, a CIA sort of like you know the the welcoming mat to get into the CIA 
I was everyone, just about to bring up Don't Tase Me. Uh, everyone knew Don't Tase Me. That was one of the original memes as memes were like first starting to kind of get defined. Like everyone had seen the remixes and everyone uh, kind of remembered the Don't Tase Me guy, but not many people remember that he got tased because he was asking John Kerry in a public forum, should we be concerned that, you know, you and, and George Bush are both in Skull and Bones? And he wouldn't, he wouldn't shut up and he kept asking it. And John Kerry even said um you know let let me answer let him ask the question although i'm pretty sure that he also made like the little hand gesture like get this guy out of here um, yeah, yeah. but it but I, it just kind of represents that like here the, here's someone that is showing you in a public forum this is not you know normal that we've got these two skull and bones members that are the only options right there's your coke and pepsi it's like you don't get to choose any other beverage it's just coke and pepsi and that dude gets tased and everyone laughs at him and everyone writes memes about him and shares it and you know a decade later very little people even know what he got tased over which yeah. was this thing so and that's I, I don't how know, they like, occult that knowledge man they turned the dude into a meme yeah and so everyone's like zzz, zzz, like watching him get tased and laugh and like and nobody <laughs> what he said that. Yeah. <laughs> it's idiocracy brother it's idiocracy it is literally idiocracy so hey just to give your audience you know a little bit more background on that because it you know just to reinforce your point about the uh the the opium uh, the families that you know were using opium and selling and trafficking opium during the opium wars and during the the uh, 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 the the um, uh, what is the the name of the number one firm? Um, I can't think of it, but like that that the East that, Indies or the East yeah. India Company yeah. that uh, that's that society at Yale University, Skull and Bones is supported by the Russell Trust, which is the Russell family, which were known opium traffickers. So like that, that the skull and bones uh, and a lot of Yale is propped up by the old opium money. And then you take a look at, at the amount of people that come through skull and bones and then go into the intelligence agencies. And then you see the intelligence agencies still trafficking drugs to this day. And so the, you know, the, the kind of people that would get someone addicted that would sell addiction and would get your kids addicted to drugs so that they could make money off the, off a teenager you know being addicted to drugs that's who's running the country that's who's running the uh you know the the uh the uh uh the intelligence agencies and they're still doing it today they've been caught in um you know uh uh in dark alliance the work of gary webb and in, in the san jose mercury news you know showing that the cia was uh, uh responsible for the crack cocaine epidemic so it's still going on today and so that's the kind of people that would use government to tax farm the population that's who's running things. It's intergenerational organized crime. It goes back to the to the robber barons and to the opium you know dealers. And these are the people that have no qualms in running game on you, putting stuff in your food, putting stuff in the water supply, putting stuff in the vaccines. You know, if they're going to get your kid addicted to drugs, they don't care about you. They don't like the government doesn't and care not, about not you. Not only do they not care, but they they flaunt it and they show you how much they don't care. Like for example. Uh, you mentioned Dark Alliance and Gary Webb. Well, you know what the modern day um, sort of 
version of that is the you know the same guy we were talking about before tom cruise in the the latest top gun mm-hmm. he also played barry seal in sort of an in a just um adjacent retelling of that dark alliance where the cia was basically smuggling you know drugs and guns in order to you know rate basically uh both infiltrate and and bring like a new drug um business in but also be able to enforce it but it's like that turns into our media and now people just watch that as the new tom cruise movie and i think that they care less about that it might have been based on any kind of historical fact like oh wow if if this means the uh, government intelligence agencies are in fact bringing the drugs in and then prosecuting the people that buy the drugs that they themselves brought in uh, but that's not the takeaway. The takeaway was like, wow, Tom Cruise was hot in that movie. Can you imagine like how good he looks for his age? Like that's kind of the takeaway. And then you just move on to the next thing. You know, I feel sorry for him. I got a friend of mine from, from high school. That's one of the top, you know, directors in the world and, and, and stars and movies that make the CIA look good. And I just like shake my head and I can't, uh, you know, I mean, I like, I, I like, you know, once if you, you know, because most people, when, when you say CIA, they think of Tom Cruise, they think of, you know, yeah, uh, Mission Impossible, Mission right? Impossible, James Bond, like that. yeah, <laughs> intelligent people understand the real history of the CIA and it's murder incorporated organized crime that will get your kid hooked on drugs or, you know, in Vietnam was, was murdering tens of thousands of people extrajudicially in something called the Phoenix program where they were, they were just going out and scoot, you know, using, uh, you know, the local, uh, Arvin, uh, folks and, and, you know, scoop up people and then torturing and, and murdering them just because they thought that they might be, you know, on the side of the, you know, uh, uh, Viet Cong or just not supportive of U S policy or for, or because somebody, you know, in the, you know, in the informer program didn't like them or wanted to date their wife. And here comes the CIA to scoop them up and murder them. Like it's, it is, it is, you know, it, it is murder incorporated. And I'm embarrassed for anybody, you know, that makes them look good. And I'm embarrassed for anybody that doesn't understand the reality of the situation under which they live that would be, you know, talking about, uh, you know, how cool Tom Cruise looks in anything, because like that guy's like an embarrassment to himself and his family. Like he's, yeah, he's, he's sweet taking cum-gutter. his family uh, name like and he's dragging it through the mud. <laughs> And I mean, it gets even more offensive than that because, and I'm not, not to downplay the, um, you know, Patriots going out and just murdering people in the Phoenix program. By the way, if you ask any like chat GPT about Phoenix program, it just locks you out immediately. Um, but in addition to killing foreigners for all sorts of arbitrary reasons and, you know, what, what they would sell back to the States as undesirables, but they were also killing gis and i think time magazine even covered in in the late 70s or early 80s this is from like a ted gunderson um sort of speech but that they were actually finding all sorts of packets of heroin and coke inside the dead bodies of gis in the body bags and they were using that to smuggle through and i i know for a fact when i was in the military some of the people that i worked with that had been ogs they were in the media department and they would just bring over like 20 um you know cases full of cameras and tapes and reels and once they got there they would just sell all of it and then pack all of the cases back with heroin and coke and then 
fly it back in and you know the exact same um you know cargo planes that brought them there and that i mean it was just a normal way of making money because they were getting paid so little and they saw their superiors were doing it and hell the government's doing it why shouldn't i do it why shouldn't i take a little taste so they kind of set that template and they're like here here's how we we operate we we say that we go to war we happen to go to war in these places that are rich with uh, either natural resources or drugs. And then, oh, wow, it's crazy. Now, all of a sudden, we have natural resources and drugs, and we're making money off of it. Yeah. Which is why we got to get rid of government, because it just it, it metastasizes the cancer of criminality in so many different ways. You, you know, you wouldn't have, you know, if it wasn't for the government making drugs illegal so that they could apply this value added tax to it. So they drive the cost up, you know, dramatically uh, with like this value added tax that is then collected by organized crime in the form of profits that, you know, like, like heroin would be almost free. It's so cheap to make. And like, you know, it's a weed, right? You can, yeah, yeah. And like one single pod literally produces hundreds or thousands of seeds. So it's not like there'd ever be a shortage if there wasn't an eradication program. Right. And then, and then they wouldn't be, you know, there wouldn't be an incentive for the media to make drugs look cool. There wouldn't be an incentive, uh, you know, for a drug dealer to spend his own money to get your kid hooked on drugs because chances are he's going to be the only drug dealer your kid knows because there's a black market so there's actually a financial incentive for a drug dealer to get spend his own money to get your your kid hooked on drugs because where's that kid going to go except for you versus you know that that incentive wouldn't you know exist if you could just go down to the to the drugstore and get it um, there wouldn't be the outrageous profits that make the drug dealers you know, celebrities in their community because they've got all the money and the cars and the bling and the everything like that, that wouldn't exist. Like, 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 pe- you know, people don't realize, you know, once you, you go down the path of government, then all of these other poisons and, and bad, you know, outcomes uh, are the result of it, um, you know, from, from organized crime metastasizing, you know, to, you know, to even the street level crime that, that, you know, steals the, you know, your purse out of your wife's car. Yeah. hundred percent, man. And I was just going to touch back on, cause you were talking about how uh, it was the CIA and, and those type of things that were bringing in the drugs. I just read an article just the other day about um, I, and you said it was in San Jose with Gary Webb. I got a double. I thought it was in fucking San Jose again. Wasn't it just the head of the police union? This was in California. Just got caught bringing in thousands and thousands of pounds of fentanyl. Fentanyl, You know what I'm talking about? This just. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just busted for fentanyl. (laughs) So as long as there, as long as the government makes it illegal, it doesn't go away. It just creates a black market and tremendous profits that they get to then profit off uh, by being in control of that black market. It's 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 uh, it's it's the perfect business model if you're an organized crime scumbag. And and outside of just illegal drugs and illicit drugs, because we're kind of talking like fentanyl and heroin and opium and all of these things. But what they also do is they make plants illegal and then isolate useful life saving 
um, components of those plants and then patent those and make it so you have to buy them from the pharmaceutical companies. Because if you try to make that yourself, not only are you in probably in violation of some patent law, uh, but but those plants, they just straight up out, you know, completely remove them from your ability to grab them. Like some of the original psychiatric drugs all derived from mescaline research and then they realized how close mescaline was to adrenaline and once that connection was made then you got all of these ssris and sort of um mao you know like all these inhibitors they just kind of exploded out of nowhere once they realized oh like adrenaline is sort of this template and all we got to do is add a little thing here and add a little thing there and now we can make you know mescaline illegal even though it's a natural version of this, you know, sort of a tangential version of adrenaline that can fit into the same receptors, but you make all of that inaccessible. Like, for example, if I wanted to do my own research, I wouldn't even be allowed to order any of the supplies. Even if I had the money to do it, I'd have to get the backing of some kind of an academic institution and convince them the type of research I was doing was legit. And in order to do that, you kind of have to fit into the system again, right? Like you always got to go back to those gatekeepers so even in things like we're talking about that are could be in abundant supply and cost zero money to people, uh, they're just restricted from you. And it's not just so someone can make a profit off selling drugs and you don't have access, but they're also keeping like all of the other things that you could extract from these substances that aren't just getting high and having fun that would actually like save lives. So they, they keep that under lock and key, it seems. Well, I mean, even in your example, like you only did half of it. So, you, you know, besides you not having the tools to do the research, even if you invented a life-saving drug or revolutionary, you know, drug of any kind, for you to be able to get that approved from the FDA, that might cost hundreds of millions of dollars just to get millions. that drug uh, approved, which you're not, you know, which, which for like, little minor conditions where that don't affect a majority of the population becomes, you know, imp, you know, financially, uh, impossible. Um, but like the, the FDA, because it's, it's a, it's a regulatorily captured agency. There's actually a term in economics called regulatory capture, which describes the, the, you know, the phenomenon of the regulatory agencies, uh, being essentially owned outright by the industries <laughs> that they regulate through like a revolving door. So the, you know, the former head of the CDC, uh, Julia Gerbelding went on to be, you know, take a multi-million dollar position with uh, Merck pharmaceuticals running their vaccine division as, as, you know, probably, you know, one of the best examples, but, you know, we've got, uh, we've got uh, visualizations in the book um, with uh, Venn diagrams showing the revolving door between the pharmaceutical uh, industry and the U.S. government, where people are going in and out of government and industry, being a regulator, then going to work for the companies that they regulate. And that happens all of the time. And you don't know that it's happening until you see some of these Venn diagrams in the book. And it's not just you know, the pharmaceutical industry, it's the defense industry, it's the banking industry. Well, I've got another really good example on, on this exact topic, too, where Donald Rumsfeld um had his name somehow attached to aspartame i believe mm -hmm. and that got passed through the fda whereas stevia a completely natural sweetener did not get approved to the point where they were rejecting shipments and and basically confiscating huge 
um you know like carriers for uh, worth of shipments of like chamomile tea because it happened to have stevia in it whereas aspartame was good to go because you know that revolving door that you're talking about so donald rumsfeld actually came on board as ceo of the gd cereal company s-e-a-r-l-e uh and jockeyed uh aspartame through the regulatory uh process even over the the um objections of the fda's own toxicologists uh it is one of the most um complained about uh you know where they've got you know complained about food additives where it causes all kinds of neurological issues and problems and people well they like, add a disclaimer right I, I can't pronounce it i never can but it's like the fit it'll be like attention phenophilites you know yeah. do not consume so it's like they actually approved this and pushed it through and it was better to just add a little disclaimer it's like hey this might actually be uh neurotoxic for you uh, but just make sure you read the fine print before you consume anything that's got sweetener in it. Well, you know, you, you, you can't make this stuff up. It's, it's, you know, people are, you know, probably listening to us going, it just can't be this bad, but it's actually worse. So, so GD cereal uh, is now owned by Monsanto and Monsanto is a, you oh, know, a mayor. chemical company that makes poisons for the military. Agent Orange, right? Yeah, that specializes in putting stuff in the food supply. And we break down in the book, it's not just, you know, it's not just uh, Monsanto, it's Bayer, it's Dow, DuPont. All of these are, 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 are chemical companies that make poisons for the military that are now putting things in the food supply that are harmful to the food supply. Not just that, they're also buying up all the seed companies because they've got some seeds that they've already you know, uh, that they've already patented and kind of have on hold right now called terminator seeds where eventually, you know, like most people, like a farmer in the old days could just plant his crop, harvest the crop, save some of those seeds. It's called cleaning the seeds. And this sounds like extremist talk, my friend. I know. Saving and planting your own seeds. Planting What's your own next? seeds. <laughs> so their goal is that, that, uh, is that with these terminator seeds and these genetically modified foods that they're poisoning the population with is it doesn't produce a viable offspring. So you can't save your seeds you have to go back to monsanto and buy your seeds from them every single year yeah you gotta, you gotta renew your up, license essentially they've bought up hundreds 200 plus seed companies and we've got a visualization of like all of these seed companies and which companies you know are doing the buying in the book <laughs> and on the flash drive but like until you see this and understand that this is going on with your own eyes, you you know, you just wouldn't believe how bad it is that companies that make poisons for the military are buying up all the seed companies and then genetically modifying uh, the seeds to be harmful to human beings. Yeah, it's what, like, what's the what? worst that could happen by reengineering nature and and causing it to just, um, you know, like cause death? Like <laughs> it seems because a lot of the biggest issue is Monsanto is that even if you didn't have Monsanto seeds, if another farm cross pollinates with your farm, now all of a sudden you're growing their stuff. So it, it was a legal issue before, but now it's like if you get Terminator seeds into your plot of land and into your crops, and if any of that cross pollinates, which they always swear it doesn't, and then it yeah. ends up doing it in typical life always finds a way Jurassic Park fashion, right? But now all of a sudden, instead of just lawsuits popping up, now you've got crops dying because you have to renew your 
your seed license essentially, right? Yeah, it it it, it really is. It, it's shocking the level of criminality, and I think that that's one of the things that you know that we're fighting against is people just can't believe it's this bad until you go and look at, into it, and you're like, oh my god, it's this bad! Emergency, emergency. It's wild to me, man. So I think about Monsanto doing things like that and putting glyphosate in all these terrible things and all these microplastics and all this awful stuff. And I, I, I always think about like this. It's like they have to live in this earth, too. And it's wild to me that they're just like for this power, for this control. They're willing to just really just set it on fire. It's absolutely insane. Well, you know, like I don't think that that most monsanto employees understand how bad it is like the rank and file i think the the ones they, they i know they don't eat uh, genetically modified ingredients in the monsanto cafeteria and so like like i think a lot of them um what i suspect is is i you know i i don't know if the audience is familiar with eugenics but you know there is a religion that the pop the planet is overpopulated and and I think they've been raising a certain cadre of of people to go along with some of these things by convincing them that the planet is overpopulated and we've just got to kill off some of the population and and they're useless eaters and they just <laughs> they breed out of control and uh, and so I think that you know I think a lot I think some of the people at the top you know, are part of this pseudo religion of eugenics. And I think it's being sold to them to get them to go along with things that aren't in the end, you know, the interest of, of their, of their kids. And it really is, it really is creepy to have that worldview that, that, you know, you need to, you know, dumb down or, or kill off the population. But I, like, unfortunately it seems that there's a you know a lot of people at you know companies like Monsanto and Pfizer and others that uh, that seem to be you know actively engaged in eugenics. You know what happened with Medazolam in the UK, where they you know uh, euthanized people to make it look like the COVID was uh, you know killing people in the in the UK. Uh, you know like like I can't get over the amount of people in the care homes that went along with administrating these, you know, these, these unbelievable doses of midazolam, it's, it, you know, it's, it's our, 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 I think our hospital system, our pharmaceutical system is, 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 is infused with these people. I think at a certain point, this, not to be, I want to say this out of callousness, but I, I really feel that at a certain point, once you send grandma and grandpa off to the old person's home and you only end up seeing them once a year, it's almost the same as sending them to like an abattoir or like a, like a butcher shop where now all of a sudden the workers have to dehumanize or have to not look at these animals. It's like, don't name the cow, right? If you know you're going to slaughter the cow, don't name the cow and just treat it as this external object. This just sort of like fleshy, you know, like a mechanic animal, almost in like a, a Cartesian way. But I think that that kind of happens because once you're just surrounded by people that are constantly having issues that you know you have no resources and no care to actually fix you stop looking at them as people so you know it, it doesn't seem like it would be hard to get someone to you know inject everyone with this little thing that makes their problem go away uh, because they've already been learning how to dehumanize you know the people that they work with for so long 
Yeah, and it's it's worse in the UK where they call it a good death, and they've like they're you know they they uh the the it's government policy at the top, and Canada is just as bad. Both Canada and yeah. the UK, you know, they've got a, a pro euthanasia. You the, know, the death pods, right? Yeah. Yeah, they used to joke about that on Futurama, and now it's uh we're we're in Futurama, so. Um, I was going to ask you, um, your opinion on what's going on financially. Cause we've seen over like the last, I don't know, it's been a few months, all these crypto billionaires winding up dead. And now we just have, uh, what's his name? Bob something or other. The guy that, uh, was the CEO the of cash, the cash app. app. Yeah. Yeah. That's fucking fascinating. He just got smoked in downtown San Francisco. Somebody stabbed, I think it was like in the middle of the day, uh, do you think that no, this is two in the morning? I mean, it's two in the morning. Okay. And do you think this is all like, you know, like CBDC or like, is this like uh, our financial betters uh, getting their ducks in a row kind of and getting people out of the way? Is, is this Morgan taking out the, the Astor family on the Titanic? <laughs> uh, well, to a certain degree, the crypto industry is being brought down by the banking industry, the traditional banking industry and the financial regulators. And so I think that, you know, my, you know, my, my kind of, and this is speculation. I want to be, you know, very clear as to, you know, you know, what I can prove and what I'm speculating. And so like a lot of what we're, we're talking about, you know, I've got, you know, like it, it's, it's not a, it's not speculation that they're, you know, putting, you know, flags into the movies and the defense department and all that's, you know, proven and there's a paper trail and everything like that. We're now kind of veering off into speculation, but uh, I think that, uh, that Bitcoin and crypto came out of the NSA. So there was a, uh, a white paper that was published and recently declassified called how to make a mint the cryptography of anonymous electronic cash that came out about a decade before Satoshi's Bitcoin white paper that outlined the, uh, the blockchain that outlined the, the wallet and, and, and kind of everything that, that Bitcoin became. And so I think that the NSA was playing with crypto, you know, way before. And uh, you take a look at a lot of the early entrants and the manufactured moguls like Joe Lubin, who was the number two guy at Ethereum. You know, he was a VP of uh, at Goldman Sachs, a VP of technology at Goldman Sachs. You take a look at uh, the, um, oh, what's the name? The Larimers, uh, you know, they were connected to Boeing and Northrop Grumman IT and, and the military industrial complex and, and others. And so I think that the cryptos were designed to pave the way for central bank digital currencies. And so we're going to te you know, we're going to get everybody excited about how to make money and we're going to let some people get wealthy and we're going to create bu positive buzz and, and, and things around crypto so that we can come in and we can slide them central bank digital cash and that they would be more kind of accepting of it. And I think there's some other, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, things that they get out of crypto as well, the ability to pay off politicians and to be able to move money, you know, anonymously for, you know, black budget, you know, intelligence agency operations. And there's, you know, there's all kinds of, you know, you know, like, like make ourselves rich uh, because we've got a head start, 
you know, uh, you know, take take research into cryptography that was funded on the taxpayer nickel and privatize the profits for ourselves the same way that Elon Musk is, you know, privatizing the profits of, of technologies that were invented by the, you know, the by DARPA on the taxpayer nickel. It's you know, doing this on the financial side. And so so I think that that's that's really what's going on. But I think it's all being set up by the, you know, the, the coming death of the dollar. And so, you know, all fiat paper currencies, Voltaire said that, you know, all paper money will return to its intrinsic value of zero. And so, you know, the problems with paper money and fiat paper currencies have been known for centuries. You know, the average lifespan of a, you know, of a fiat, you know, currency is, is, is only a couple of decades the 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 pound the the you know the the England's pound and the U.S. dollar are now 250 plus years old, and so you know they've been debased. 97 percent of the value from you know has has been lost since the Federal Reserve came along and and took us off the gold standard and and began you know uh, counter counterfeiting money through fractional reserve banking and quantitative easing and things like that. And so, uh, you know, the, the, it's it, the, it, in this organized crime system, besides the drug dealers, it's also the banks and it's the, you know, kind of like the banks, the drug dealers, the intelligence agencies, you know, that's, who's really running the government. And so the name of the game is the banks create money out of thin air. They use a technique called fractional reserve banking. You know, you, when you go to a bank to get a, mortgage or a car loan. They're not loaning you depositor money. They just, you know, tickle the ivories on the keyboard and credit your account with digital dollars, even though that's inflationary, even though that's stealing the value out of everybody else's money. And so the analogy that I, you know, like to use a lot is if I have a dollar and you have a dollar and we have the only $2 in the world, well, I own 50% of the world's wealth and you own 50% of the world's wealth. Well, if a, if a bank or the Fed comes along and creates two more dollars out of fractional reserve banking or out of quantitative easing or for stimulus or bailouts or, you know, stimmy checks, whatever it is, all of a sudden I've been reduced to 25% of the world's wealth. You've been reduced to 25% of the world's wealth and the bank has stolen 50% of the world's wealth. And that's what's going on. And so they're buying up the world with these little paper tickets. That's why you see the concentration of the Fortune 500. That's why you see the, you know, the, some of the charts that we have in the book showing, you know, uh, dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of, of consumer brands all rolling up to, you know, eight, nine companies. You know, that's why you see the monopolization of everything in society is because the bankers are cheating. It's be like if, some, if you're playing Monopoly and the banker is cheating and he's reaching under the table and stealing $500 bills. Well, at the end of the game, who owns every single property on the board and who are renters and debtors? And so that's what's going on. And because the government schools aren't going to teach you about it, because the government's rip-off universities aren't going to teach you about it, most people, they've got no idea what money is, why it has value, how the, how the value out of their own money is being stolen from them. But that game of, of stealing the value out of the money only goes along for so long 
and we're now in the final chapter. It's the, you know, the final scene of the play and they're trying to do a kind of, uh, you know, three card money switch and move everybody to central bank programmable digital currencies and a central bank digital currency is a little bit like Bitcoin in the sense that it's got some features, uh, you know, it's cryptographically secure and there's a blockchain and it's audible, but it's also got some features that are really bad for freedom and really good for tyranny and the fact that you can program money. And so they may give you a universal basic income and they may promise you, oh, hey, we're going to give you universal basic, basic income on this, this with central bank digital currency. But you know what? You may not be able to spend it outside of your 15-minute city. You may not be able to buy soda or meat with it. You may be, you know, you may be, they may turn off your ability to buy and sell at all if you become uh, a troublemaker and start telling people that it's organized crime running the government, the media, and academia. You'll, you'll get two strikes on just yeah. you having money. <laughs> you got it. You got it. So that really is the the what, what I think is going on. And I think that's what the World Economic Forum is pushing with the Great Reset. And I think the World Economic Forum is organizing the C-level executives of all of these companies that have been bought up with the fractional reserve banking money. Okay, and they're they're using that block of thousand plus companies, the monopoly winners, the fortune, you know, 1000 kind of companies that are being provided unlimited funds to consolidate and buy up their own industries. Uh, you know, those are being organized in the World Economic Forum. That's how they got all these companies to go along with the covid that's how they got all the airlines to go along with it and the, and Walmart and others to, you know, to, you know, to, to, uh, to make it look like there was really a pandemic. There's uh, another interesting component to that too, because now any crime that you commit or any, you know, that's, that's later made a crime, it's now going to be a federal issue. If you've, if you've made use of this central bank digital currency, because it's no longer, I took a dollar and I spent it in an illicit way across the street and it's just like happened within this local even if i go and i like you know buy mushrooms from my neighbor if i transfer him the money through the central system i've just i've just basically you know made a legal use of a federal system so now everyone's going to be on the hook for much uh bigger spankings i guess if you get caught doing anything uh while making use of these central you know bank digital currencies which is why we got to expose it. I mean, like it, it, so it really is, that would be almost a fate accompli if they're able to get that in, uh, you know, into, uh, into production, which is why we've got to stop and draw the line and really expose this and double our efforts. So it, this week, wasn't it? Didn't they just take a big leap forward with the CBDCs? They did something with the banking. Are you familiar with that? I haven't seen CBDCs move this week. I've seen them. I know they're in a pilot with about eight or nine banks. So the Federal Reserve's in a pilot program with uh, eight of the you know like largest uh, banks out there. And so I know that that they are uh, that there is a pilot going on. And so I think you're you're not going to you know I I think it's they're going to have to precipitate a crisis. It'll be problem reaction solution. They'll create the crisis. All I hear is a few new Tom Cruise movies are going to be coming out soon to sell us on these crises. <laughs> right, right. I mean, that's, but that's how they did it, did it. And, you know, with the COVID, they had documentaries that came out in January 
of 2020, uh, you know, uh, talking about a future coronavirus pandemic where the hero was Bill Gates and vaccines. And so that's it's called predictive programming. That's how they get the the you know the population to go along with these things. That's how you move society in these big you know tectonic shifts. And really, I think the next tecton- tectonic shift that's coming is the death of the dollar and this attempt to move everybody to programmable central bank digital currencies. I got one so, more question and then I apologize. I got to hop. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, this is just a quick one, I guess. Uh, unless you have one, Thomas. Um, no, I'm good, man. Okay. I was just going to ask real fast because we had Kyle Anzalone from uh, antiwar.com uh, come on and talk with us. That was what, like two, three nights ago. Uh, we were talking about uh, the BRICS agreement that's going on with uh, the rest of the world. What What are your thoughts on that? And how is the, is that also, do you think... How is the CBDC going to work with that? So do you think that this is going to become a global type of thing? Um, or like, how is the, the United States going to uh, navigate with this BRICS agreement that's going on with, uh, you know, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa? Uh, so I think Russia's in on it and I think China's in on it. And so, you know, all of these countries are running government on their own populations, they're all using kind of the same bag of tricks to tax farm their own populations. And there's a lot of evidence that, you know, the United States propped up, uh, you know, Russia as a, you know, a credible threat so that we they could menace the population with the threat of Russia to be able to get a multi-trillion dollar defense industry and to be able to, you know, spy on the American people and to be able to, you know, have, you know, national security and do all that, you know, those, the kind of things that they do. And so, so I think that it's the same intergenerational organized crime system running things across the planet, essentially. Um, But they're having to, you know, make it look like different power blocks. Uh, you know, competing with each other. But at the end of the day, all of these countries went along with the COVID. All of these countries are being forced to take the dollar. Uh, All of these countries uh, are running the exact same techniques on their population as the United States is running on ours. It's not the people of the United States versus the people of Russia. It's the government of the United States versus the people of the United States. It's the governor government of Russia versus the people of Russia. And so the, so uh, I like Stefan Molyneux's kind of analogy of when you take a look at the map of the world, think of each of these countries as different tax farms and they're running, you know, different versions of government. Some of them are a little bit this, some of them are a little, you know, different in this way. Some of them are a little different in that way, but for the most part, they're all, you know, using the technique of government to rob and tax farm their populations. I think communism was government 2.0. And so I, you know, like the, you know, one of the books that we have on the flash drive, the liberator uh, is, uh, you know, wall street and the Bolshevik revolution by Anthony Sutton that breaks down, you know, wall street's part in the Bolshevik revolution. Well, why would Wall Street capitalists on on you know on on Wall Street support a communist revolution? Well, because 
they were, you know, the the government to 1.0 that they were running on the people here in the United States. Well, that's problematic if you're an organized crime system tax farming the population because the population thinks that they have rights and the population thinks that they've got the right to be armed and all of this kind of thing. And that's not in your interest. And so I look at, you know, well, why don't we experiment with this government 2.0 where the people don't have any rights and they don't have private property and they don't have the right to, you know, keep and bear arms and they don't have this. So, so I look at communism as, is, uh, you know, kind of government 2.0. And so the, I think the important thing for your, you know, for the audience to understand is that there is no good governments. There is, they're all in on it together. They're all, you know, run the same, you know, games on their population. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, the CBDC, ideally they're, they're pushing everybody towards a one world government, because I think it's a giant headache to manage, you know, 200 plus independent governments. And so, okay, we'll just, you know, like the same way they're buying up and monopolizing, you know, different industries, you know, they're buying up and they're going to buy up and monopolize every, you know, all these different governments and do one single government where they where they don't have to worry about as many whistleblowers. They don't have to worry. You know, they don't have to keep as many people under uh, blackmail and pedophilia and Jeffrey Epstein blackmail and things like that. It's just going to be a lot smoother to, you know, to run their uh, organized crime game if there's less governments and less currencies to worry about. Yeah, 100%. Well said. Um, so why don't you throw our audience one more time the best place to find you, the best place to work. So the so uh, the book "Government: The Biggest Scam in History Exposed" is at government-scam.com. I'm the founder of the Art of Liberty Foundation. We're a startup public policy organization trying to expose the illegitimacy and criminality of government from a voluntarist standpoint. That's at artofliberty.org. And you can get all of my original writings, including the articles that I mentioned on the CIA uh, controlling the media and the CIA uh, doing politi uh, running the politicians at artofliberty.substack.com. Uh, and so we've been uh, serializing and releasing some of the one-pagers from the book at artofliberty.substack.com. So if you want to see those visualizations, uh, that, that I discussed, you can see them for free at artofliberty.substack.com. Awesome, man. Thomas, you got some plugs, brother. Yeah, man. Uh, of course, I, I actually just got a new uh, batch in of the MK Ultra pamphlets. Is that yours? Uh, this is me, yeah. That's you! Oh, my God! I, first, I got one of those at... Uh, I got one, Yeah, oh, man, let's do a trade. Let's hey, do it, man. This, Nate? Yeah, absolutely. So that that's a, uh, a great endorsement you just got already. So <laughs> you will also be jumping with joy and screaming out the name of Paranoid American. Uh, this is probably my favorite one just because it's so easy to throw into an envelope and send like five or six or 10 or 20 and just put them places. That's kind of what these things were made for, you know. Um, and this breaks down the entire background of Project MK Ultra from its original roots to its supposed ending and then a little bit of speculation on where it might be today 
Um, so yeah, the, definitely check this one out. And you can see it at mkultracomic.com. Hell yeah, I love it. Yeah, I'm and glad that you you seen one of those, man. That's that's I my have, baby. I picked it up in at the Greater Reset in Marilia, Mexico, and I gave it to one of my kids. And that's so right. I, you know, I I sent them like a pack of twenty or thirty or something. Yeah, yeah, I don't, and I, I like, I, I don't remember how I got it, but, uh, but I thought it was really well done. Congratulations you might also really like this. This is the first issue of Time Samplers, which, which more or less takes a funny breakdown of the origin of the Federal Reserve. So here's, uh, here's Alexander Graham Bell at the Jekyll Island Hunt Club, which is where they actually determined that they wanted to put this Federal Reserve together. And here he is. It's a little bit of uh, funny, but it's also um, a lot of accuracy. So here he's. Um, showing the concepts of mind control to the Jekyll Island Hunt Club, kind of like a little lakeside talk that you'd get at Bohemian Grove. And then I've got a whole list of all of the important members that were at the Jekyll Island Hunt Club. So you've got the Morgans, you've got the Skull and Bones, you've got just all sorts of names, dates, and cool places and locations. Hey, Nick, this can one you connect wraps us up. afterwards? Absolutely, 100%. Love it. Well done. Well done, Thomas. Well, thank you, gentlemen. This has been a lot of fun. I appreciate you, brother. And uh, we'll have to do it again. Absolutely. All right. Cheers. Yeah, thanks for the work you're thing. doing, man. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, guys.